Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome. This is Hannah, your host for this week's Thinking Ahead, the GFK Insights podcast. Our topic today is influencers during the age of COVID-19, how the pandemic is changing the game for influencers and providing opportunities for a new generation of content creators. I'm speaking with three people who know a lot about the influencer space. We have Yola Burnett. She is the vice president of GFK Consumer Life, which specializes in long-term trend tracking. I also have Jasmine Enberg with me. She's a senior analyst at eMarketer who's an expert on social media and the shifting influencers marketplace. And lastly, I have Tara Nolan. She's a VP of global growth at Havas Media Group and the creator of The Conscious Connoisseur, a blog and influencer site focusing on eco-friendly, sustainable travel. So we know that COVID-19 pandemic has changed pretty much everything about life in the U.S. And there are influencers related to almost everything that consumers do. Yola, I wondered if you could share with us a few of GFK's recent insights into the effect that COVID-19 is having on the attitudes and expectations that are crucial for influencers. Yes, so um, there are a lot of great insights in the Coronavirus Pulse study, but here are a few that really jumped at me, and they are related, obviously, to brands, but we know that their, you know, influencers and brands coexist very, very tightly. So we saw that about three quarters of Americans claim that, you know, they have noticed examples of companies being a force for good during the coronavirus crisis, which is a good thing. Uh, and then on the other hand, we also saw that that about seven in 10 or 70% of Americans claim that they've noticed examples of companies trying to take advantage during uh, the coronavirus crisis. Uh, we also saw another insight that I thought was really um, you know, impactful here is that you know, about 80%, so an overwhelming majority of Americans claim that you know, the way that companies conduct themselves during the crisis um, you know, will impact whether they do business with them in the future. So if if you think about it, this has really huge implications, you know, how brands and, you know, if you think about influencers as well, how do they conduct themselves? Um, so if, you know, essentially an influencer itself, you know, is also a brand per se. They have a lot of, um, you know, they have a larger following through sharing their social media content, personal branding in the online world. So all of these um, have, have some huge implications here. That's really interesting. Jasmine, I'm wondering if those findings that Yola just mentioned jive with what you've been hearing in your conversations about influencers today. Yeah, so at eMarketer, we've been having quite a few conversations with influencers about how their work has changed recently. And a lot of these conversations are focused around spending and partnerships. So I, I can share some insights from that. And what we've been hearing is that as with every other type of advertising and marketing, many brands have been pulling or pausing their spend on influencer collaborations because of COVID-19. In particular, new partnerships are pretty hard to come by, and some campaigns that were planned for the spring have either been pushed back or canceled altogether. That said, kind of the one bright light in all of this is that influencers that are already 
in long-term or established partnerships with brands may actually benefit from, from some of the changes in brand marketing strategies because they're offering brands an authentic way to deepen engagement uh, with their audiences. Direct selling during a pandemic can be seen as pretty insensitive and many brands are refocusing their strategies toward more mission-based and branding initiatives. And what better way to accomplish that than through trusted brand advocates who already have the attention of their target audience. Tara, it seems like travel is one of the industry's hardest hit by the pandemic lockdowns. How has this affected your work on The Conscious Connoisseur? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's just the nature of uh, our situation. But I think that sometimes it takes chaos for innovation to occur. And so generally speaking, whether echoing the sentiment here, if you're an individual influencer as a brand or a large brand and organization, it's a great time to pivot. So it's a classic trait of any entrepreneur, you know, having the ability to adapt and find success in a complex environment or a situation. So luckily, in addition to the sustainable travel content I create, I'm also a certified yoga instructor and I'm currently pursuing a certification in meditation. So there's a wellness aspect of my work as well that's been taking a larger share of voice, but it's because I feel compelled to offer and share my talents with anyone that may be open to receiving them. So it's really about showing up and adding value. And it shouldn't just be for monetary gains per se, because it's about being a good human in a time of crisis. And so from a social media standpoint, it's diversified the way I play with different channels. Um, I started a YouTube channel and I have plugged it up with a bunch of (laughs) meditation videos, a 21 day meditation challenge, because I wanted to give the world something And um, I know via an upcoming report from Havas Media Group states about 38% of prosumers will try to sustain good habits adopted during confinement. So things like meditating and cooking and family time. So I think that there's an opportunity for brands and influencers to consider those things and kind of weave them into not only their content strategy, but their offer as a small business too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything you just said really reinforced what Jasmine and Yola were saying about the data. So that's great. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to that because also thinking about, you know, the opportunity for um, travel influencers. I mean, yes, we we just exactly what um, uh, what Tara said about it, kind of, you know, shifting and pivoting, uh, but also thinking going forward, you know, in our research, we also saw that, um, you know, travel, obviously, you know, throughout the crisis is one of the items that, you know, is being caught. And we saw that throughout recessions. Um, and, you know, in 2008, we talked about, um, uh, you know, cutting back, but also staycation. So just thinking about where we might be going forward, you know, we are now amidst not only a public health crisis, but also economic crisis. So, now with safety being in sharp focus and you know consumers looking to some of the safest types of vacations we also saw another trend which was that around you know ecotherapy and the rise of being close to nature so you know there could also be an opportunity there and tara feel free to chime in here but you know like we saw in research that consumers are you know not planning to go on you know getting on a plane tomorrow like that's just we know that that's not going to happen but also thinking about the more sustainable type of travel staycation 2.0 you know being close to lake or nature or national park or going camping you know again this potentially gives um you know maybe in the future um some of the kind of refocus on you know where we will be spending that free time absolutely and you can't see me but i'm nodding my head a lot because (laughs) this is also 
so this is this is a, a big piece and a component of what sustainable travel is all about because sustainable travel is really an umbrella term that can encompass all sorts of different travel whether it be social impact environmental um, giving yeah. back you know there's so many different aspects i agree so something we've also heard repeatedly uh, and probably experienced ourselves is that people are also spending a lot of time on social media compared to before and a lot of them are even creating more of their own content. Have we seen shifts in what influencers are posting and how are they approaching their work? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. From what I've seen, and this is going to echo a lot of what Tara and, and Yola were just saying, but with content studios being closed down or the ability to travel or go to restaurants or visit other attractions being so limited, we've seen that influencers have really had to pivot their content creation strategies. And the result has been this influx of less polished, real and behind the scenes content. And a lot of that especially in the beginning, was centered around how influencers are coping with stay-at-home measures and what their followers can do to keep themselves entertained or help those in need. But I, I think one of the things to remember when we're talking about these changes is that they are really primarily accelerations of trends that were already happening in the influencer marketplace. Over the past couple of years, we've seen influencers start creating content that is more raw and real versus polished and planned. And that's really thanks to formats like Instagram stories and the rise of TikTok as an influencer platform. And I think the coronavirus has sped up that process. And I think it's a trend that will persist um, in years to come. I, I love that you mentioned that, Jasmine, because, you know, we saw exactly the same thing since we look at long term trends and how they evolve. And essentially, yes, we definitely saw that. You know, there was even on Instagram, you started seeing um, more of kind of this unfiltered content and Gen Z again leading on embracing some of the imperfections, especially with the rise of TikTok. So, you know, given this example, if you search for hashtag food on Instagram, you will see this mouthwatering, amazingly beautiful <laughs> images of food. Whereas if you do hashtag on TikTok, uh, you might get nauseous and it's okay, <laughs> right? Uh, we also saw, you know, that Gen Z and, and millennials, especially Gen Z, you know, embrace these imperfections. They even download apps to make their photos look dated and imperfect, which is which is really interesting. And, you know, just to add to that, I absolutely agree with you that, you know, this kind of disruption of COVID uh, accelerates a lot of these trends where we saw them bubbling up among some of the leading edge consumers. Now we're seeing that it's kind of going a little bit more mainstream. Um, so just to sum it up, you know, we see that in crisis, rules really don't apply. And in many cases, you know, they're being rewritten. Uh, and we see that on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. I think you see it across social media and in other parts of digital media as well. It's, you know, it's something that I've been saying time and time again, that yes, there are shifts in media usage, but most of these shifts aren't necessarily transformative. They really are this acceleration in trends that were already happening. Um, and because of all these stay at home measures, you know, it's just it's become um, quicker adoption among so many people. Um, so I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk a little bit more about the business within social media and influencers. I know many influ influencers have come to see their social media posts as their content as like a main source of income or as a business pretty much. How is that going on or how is it going during the pandemic and what is the future of that approach to influencing? 
Yeah, I think what was discussed earlier in terms of the authenticity with existing partnerships is definitely true. I've done some recent sponsored content with brands that I've worked with before, so having that existing relationship definitely lends to credibility in creating content at this time, um, but also staying very true to that DNA of my brand. So in my opinion, I've seen the rise of coaching become extremely popular, and I think it's super on point because in this time, whether it's loss of job or just anxiety or anything that we might be going through and suffering from, the idea of self-help and self-care is nothing to be embarrassed about. And in fact, it's being more celebrated. So I've noticed a lot of online courses go to market, more podcasts, other types of programs designed to help not only influencers maintain their small businesses, but help others kind of survive through this. Do you think, are there certain platforms that seem to be accelerating more than others at this time? I, in my head, I'm thinking TikTok because I feel like that's blown up, but are there, you know, are people doing more YouTube video versus audio podcasts? I think it's a total blend. I think it's um, depending on the certain talents of any given content creator or influencer, you know, what are they like doing more of? I started a YouTube channel. I have about eight subscribers, so feel free to follow me. I'm seeking to grow these space. <laughs> but um, you know, I built it for a reason. I built it to share meditation videos. So I had a direct purpose to that um, because I felt like that was the best way to get that content out. But I think it really depends on, like I said, the skill set of the influencer or content creator, how they view the channel's purpose in delivering their message and Essentially, you know, I think TikTok is a great example because it really ties back to the idea of everyone being at home together and needing an outlet to just have fun with. So that has exploded because people are bored at home. And there's that song that everyone's like doing that dance to, right? Because we, we need something to entertain ourselves. I also, I also think that, you know, going back to thinking about influencer marketing as a business, that the really big question here for a lot of people and not just in the marketing and advertising space is the economy. So, you know, we don't know when it's going to start to recover. We don't know what that recovery will look like. And until we really do, it's hard to predict what's going to happen and kind of to echo and maybe sum up, Tara, your point, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but those influencers who are creative um, and can come up with other solutions to sort of support their income are those that are going to survive and thrive afterwards. You know, whenever, whenever there's a crisis, it really is a time for creativity and, and finding things that are outside of the box and, and reinventing the wheel, so to speak. Classic example of diversification and any business that goes into, leans into one certain industry or product or market too hard can have a point in time where that's just not working anymore. Anymore, So it's the same thing for any influencer. If I had doubled down on travel only, um, I would be struggling to connect with my audience right now. So that's just one small example of how influencers and brands need to always kind of be thinking about what else they can do. You know, when you mentioned creativity and, you know, again, kind of dovetailing on some of the longer trends that we saw, it's it perfectly fits this kind of formula that at a time where things no longer work, it's a time for reinvention. And that's something that we saw in the past where we not only, you know, even during the last Great Recession, right, we saw, you know, the rise of um, the sharing economy uh, that started to bubble up. And, and you know, it's, it's going to be so interesting to watch what's going to happen from this creativity where we are going to see, you know, not only reinvention from the content standpoint, but potentially new revenue streams and how even brands are going to evolve too, um, to kind of adjust to this current situation.
I know as the pandemic continues to disrupt everything, um, how are influences, influencers able to gain or lose relevance as brand advocates? And what types of brands should be seeking out what types of influencers? I think there's a good point made before um, about brands being brands and influencers also being brands. And I think the story, for the most part, starts with the brand, either way you look at it. And so you can look at a multinational global brand or you can look at that micro level of an influencer as a personal brand and both count. Um, and in terms of optimizing that influence, it's the story, the classic story of reach and engagement. And I think brands should all be looking at their business models and resources, identifying where and how they can deliver value. You know, is that making masks? Is it supporting the healthcare workers with what they can do? So whatever, whatever your best setup is, that's what any brand should be doing now to help the world. Um, and if you're a multinational brand, that activity that you might be doing comes with the PR and promotional aspect where influencers can play a role in generating that awareness of one such effort and getting others to join and share in a meaningful message and movement. So the brand should be cognizant of that reach of an influencer, um, obviously authenticity as well, um, and the niche and content that they create. Because the positive thing about our current crisis is that it's given us all a level playing field in being human. So unless you have a heart of stone, you should want to be pitching in and supporting the widespread issues we're all struggling with, regardless of where you're located, um, or if you're a beauty blogger versus a food blogger. So of course, you know, based on a brand's initiative and campaigns, a brand should be looking to influencers where the brand message would be appreciated and strongly resonate. Um, for example, if it's a beauty brand, you might want to give nurses a makeover somehow on their day off. So maybe to get that message out, tapping some beauty influencers to share that message would help inevitably build your equity with that core audience long term. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think I, I started to mention it earlier, but I think the number one way that influencers pretty much across all different categories can help brands at this moment is really deepening that brand engagement. And we've seen from our conversations with brands too, that that really is a top priority for them right now, because they either don't have the budget to directly advertise their products, or they just don't want to because of the situation. And again, these trusted brand advocates are one way that they can keep spreading that brand awareness and, and find ways to engage engage with their audiences on their level. And I do think that that can go a really long way in retaining their customers and their audiences once the pandemic ends and the economics are there for people to start spending normally again. Absolutely. And I agree with everything that was said here and kind of dovetailing on that idea of authenticity. I know it's that's a word that has been a little bit abused <laughs> in, in, in the, you know, everybody talks about authenticity, but we have to get back to what that really means. Right. And I absolutely agree with you, um, Tara, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, uh, partnering with influencers that are in line with that brand message and, you know, creating a movement. And we saw something uh, around that, especially Gen Z kind of being so engaged with brands and boycotting brands they don't align with. Uh, and that's really important to, to remember. But also uh, kind of the other aspect of authenticity is when you get to the brand itself, you know, ultimately you as a brand to be successful, it is not about what you say you do. It is about what you actually do. So if you, you kind of have to look back at kind of, you know, what who, do you, who are you as a brand, go back to your corporate culture, you know, how are you treating your employees not only what you say you do for the nurses but you know what's happening in-house because if if there's something that's you know not authentic in in how you're portraying uh then it's 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 gonna back you know there's might be a backlash against that so yola 
as you were talking about this authenticity word that we're always talking about, I know even before the pandemic, you've done quite a few presentations or studies at calling the time pre-COVID the age of doubt. So now that we're in this pandemic, how is this trust challenge trend playing out with influencers now that so many people are literally afraid of further lives or struggling to make ends meet? Yeah, absolutely. And funny you bring that up because we did talk about trust extensively. And I saw that, you know, Jasmine even alluded to it as well. Uh, You know, even pre-COVID, yes, we lived, we already lived in the age of doubt. If you think about, you know, the fake news and fake social media accounts and fake videos, there was also the danger of fake text. Um, And we know that trust is the driving force in consumers' relationships um, with almost every business, including retailers, brands, and service providers and we really think have to think about this because you know it's not we we talked about the era of breaches and digital deceptions uh, and social media definitely has that multiplier effect and missteps are instantly magnified but if you think about now all of that has intensified especially as we saw you know consumers kind of still rely on social media, but in the age of COVID uh, and trust deficit, we see that there is this intense need for credible information. And, you know, in some of our research, we saw that, you know, when it comes to information on COVID, um, doctors and researchers, you know, the CDC and experts, and I want to, you know, um, emphasize that word, uh, are some of the most trusted sources of information. Uh, We also saw, you know, in some of our research previously, you know, we talked about um, trust in the age of doubt, you know, in 2019 uh, or the end of 2019, we also saw that consumers were already relying on trusted experts. And again, this, um, you know, this event intensified this desire for, um, you know, this idea of having content uh, that is trusted from trusted experts. So we're going to see a lot more of kind of looking to those kind of influencers as well. On the topic of trust, and this is something that I've been thinking about now for a while across social media, is that I think that this is actually an opportunity for a lot of these platforms that have had issues with consumer trust before to really make a comeback if they do this correctly. So when, you know, the coronavirus outbreak first hit, you know, people were clamoring for information about what was going on, how to keep themselves safe. And A lot of the traditional media, at least in the very beginning, were still just calling this a flu. And what we saw was that social media platforms are one of the first places where you were actually able to get accurate information. And a lot of them took steps um, to to make sure that people were able to receive that, like directing people who were visiting Twitter or Facebook to the WHO or a local health organization. And on TikTok, even, they had brought in a live stream with a WHO expert, which relates back to, Yola, what you were saying about these expert influencers. And this WHO expert came in and gave a live stream to all of the TikTok viewers on really what was COVID, how to keep yourself safe, um, and, you know, what the necessary precautions were. And I, I think that that is, you know, really giving this new chance for a new kind of life for these social platforms that have struggled so much with um, trust among their users. Uh, we're also seeing many new types of influencers emerge during the virus. Uh, Jasmine, could you talk a little bit about these people for us? Uh, what are, who are they um, and how would Are they perhaps changing the role of influencers going forward? Are they expanding the definition of what it takes to be an influencer? 
So generally speaking, I, I think what's happened is that the idea of an aspirational influencer is becoming less important. Um, during this time, nobody can lead a perfect life. Um, and even before the pandemic, people were starting to tire of seeing these fully polished or flawless posts. So many of these new influencers that are emerging during this time, I like to call more sort of everyday influencers. And they're using platforms like TikTok, which we've already mentioned, that really lend themselves to creating more of this quick, unpolished um, and more relatable content. Um, I, I, we have seen a surge in adoption of TikTok in particular among all different age groups who you wouldn't necessarily think we're TikTok's target audience. And I, I do think that, you know, this will help redefine how we think of influencers moving forward. I love that. And I really hope it's it sticks because, I mean, to be honest, when I first got into this whole world a few years ago, I looked around and I just I didn't see any content that I felt really spoke to and recognized sustainable travel because no one wants to look at content that makes them kind of feel bad about themselves either. You know, you see these these perfect photos and it's like, okay, I mean, from the from the business side, I understand how a brand could look to a content creator for cost savings and effectiveness in terms of generating content, but what's the purpose behind it? And if it doesn't have a purpose, then what's the point? There are also many clear generational divides when it comes to social media use, as well as attitudes towards brands. How do you see these playing out during the pandemic? So essentially we did see, um, you know, and this is not surprising, millennials and Gen Z live on their phones, right? We even saw that some of the Gen Z women uh, were so engaged with technology that, you know, there was a little bit of a, of a fatigue going on. Uh, but now we see that, again, a lot of these trends being accelerated um, and uh, a lot of people are spending on social media across the board, across all ages. Um, and we saw that uh, across generations and um, especially moms too of younger children who now not only spend a lot of time on social media and they have historically, uh, but now engage uh, and kind of invest in some of the digital entertainment as well to, to help. Yeah, I mean, TikTok's such a good example of this, too, because, like I said before, everyone's home. Everyone is looking for something to do. You see all the dance challenges and everything and the parents getting involved and you see creators or, or younger generations using TikTok saying, oh, please like this. You know, it took me five hours to teach my dad how to do this dance, you know, so it's um, it's become quite an interesting thing to observe. And, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned about kind of creating content and the role of brands in that you know, content, I think it's going to be more about, um, you know, partnering with influencers or actually even taking content that's already been created and adding a little bit of branding to it so that that content is really organic and versus, you know, something that's polished and clearly advertised to you, which may be a turnoff. It kind of lives in that platform. Do you know what I mean? Versus being inserted there. So I think that's 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 a big change that we're going to see when it comes to kind of advertising or, you know, uh, dollars. So last question, I want us to be thinking ahead for a moment. As you look to the future post COVID, whatever that future looks like, or we can imagine it, uh, how will influencers need to change? What role will they play and how will they remain relevant to consumers? Great question. Um, I'll, I'll start with this one. I think generally this is kind of a, a large statement, so to speak, but I, I think it's a great opportunity right now for us all to rethink our why um, and rethinking the what's the meaning behind our content, what's our purpose, what's our message, and what's our business model. 
you know, I started my, my small business as a blog, but it's so much more than that. I have a lot more to offer than just writing the blog posts and creating pretty Instagram pictures. So I think it is going to come down to the individual and looking into, you know, their self and, and figuring out what, what is that value that they want to bring to the world? And then how can, you know, if it comes to a brand opportunity, how might that better integrate as opposed to just churning out some quick content? I think it's a, it should be a much more longer term kind of relationship. So I can go next because I, I think that mine kind of coincides with what you were saying, but more from the marketer point of view. And I, I think that the one thing that truly needs an overhaul is influencer measurement. There's so many brands out there that still rely on vanity metrics like likes and, and follower accounts when that doesn't directly correlate to most partnership goals, whether they're upper, upper funnel brand awareness or lower funnel uh, sales. So thinking ahead, I would think that brands need to focus more on metrics that matter. Um, and I, I do think that by now people do understand that likes and followers don't paint the full picture of an influencer, but change in measurement has been so slow. And now's the time to rethink not only influencer strategies, but also how the impact of influencers is measured, as, measured well. as well. I so agree that. And I, I just want to also comment off of that, that the influencer itself, that as, a, as an individual, is also a talent resource that goes beyond right. just content creation. So if... As a brand, if you take that standpoint, and it's it's basically the gig economy, freelancer economy, starting to use these people, these talents as more than just a blogger and looking to them um, to deliver different things. Maybe they're an excellent chef or whatever, but those talents that they can offer. I absolutely agree with everything you said. And, you know, thinking about as the world evolves, influencers will have to evolve as well. And, you know, we saw that the rules are going to need to be re rewritten. Um, and you mentioned that idea of creativity because it is not business as usual and we'll definitely see some of the lasting changes in the future. Um, I think that we will be, you know, more accepting to some of the new influencers and also, you know, that idea of new authenticity that is not perfect, so which we talked about extensively. That's something here to stay. But one um, aspect that we didn't talk about today, uh, but it's definitely something that we're starting to see is also this idea that, you know, and it's it kind of contradicts authenticity a little bit, but there is this rise of synth influencers and those are digital personas or AI. They are literally powered by code. So not sure what authentic, uh, you know, message there could be, but we see that there are some that are, you know, garnering a lot of influence and um, popularity. And we saw some of the brand partnerships popping up as well. So little Michaela is a good example who partnered with Coachella and Prada and Calvin Klein. And, you know, she is an AI influencer in quote air quotes. Um, but it's very interesting to see how that's evolving. You know, there's also Japanese influencer Ima and, you know, KFC's Colin Sanders, uh, which is an AI as well. Uh, and that's something that we started to bubble up. We don't hear that much about, you know, this, but I think this is still pretty nascent. Um, but that engagement is going to be very interesting to follow in the future. Thank you, Yola, Jasmine, and Tara. This was a super informative session. If you'd like to learn more about influencers in COVID-19, click the link below and um, we'll have more information there. And also just a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to look out for more of episodes from Thinking Ahead. I also encourage you to check out what Tara and Jasmine are doing. I will leave them their links below as well.
And now our closing segment, Listen to This, where we'll share some fun facts pulled from our studies across GFK. Hello, this is Chloe from MRI Simmons. Celebrity endorsements have the advantage of providing massive visibility to an existing general audience and producing positive results for brands. A celebrity can even become the face of a brand. With that, is it possible to see the kind of products a consumer likes based on the celebrities they like? Listen to this. According to the MRI eScore Celebrity Fusion, Americans who like Beyonce are 32% more likely to be Fanta drinkers and 20% more likely to be Sprite drinkers compared to the average American. Those who like Lionel Messi are nearly two times more likely to have eaten at Jack in the Box in the last six months than the average American. Finding the right influencer or traditional celebrity for endorsements is challenging, but investing time and research can deliver better, more targeted results. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, click the link in the description. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.